Tuesdays with Scotty are not the opinions of Scotty White, but the opinions of the lizard people who secretly rule this planet. Thank you. You're listening to the Mobcast Network. Wonderful town, wonderful people, places to go, things to see. My lab is Mobile. That's my wonderful town. Beautiful homes, schools and churches, entertainment, places to shop. My heart's in Mobile. That's my wonderful town. Mobcast Network presents... Live from Stupid Mop Studios, located in Mobile, Alabama. It's Tuesdays with Scotty. This is the podcast about whatever the hell Scotty wants to talk about. From pop culture to food, movies, comics, or games. Literally whatever the hell Scotty wants to talk about. If you don't like it, get your own podcast. Now here's your host, your Native American pop culture spirit guide, Scotty. I don't know why I keep dancing in one of these intros. I'm a terrible dancer. I don't know why, but I'm just, I don't know. I hear, fun. Ska, I hear ska music and it's yeah. in. Hi, this is uh, Tuesday and I'm Scotty and this is Tuesdays with Scotty. This is the talk show about literally what you just heard in the intro, whatever I want to talk about. So we're going to talk about all kinds of cool stuff today. Um, I've got um, my friend and the producer of the show, Caleb, yeah. over here. Hey, He's everybody. sit through all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's going to be fun. Um, I want to, I want to start with a clarification from last week's episode. Uh, cause Caleb being the producer that he is, um, I found did his due diligence on stuff. I found the manual. He found the manual. So we, last week we talked about, um, the Doug game. If you remember Doug from, uh, the cartoon Doug, yeah. you know, do, 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 that Doug. There was a handheld tiger game that we talked about last week. And, uh, I was amazed that it had a button that just said Doug. <laughs> and so Caleb found out what Doug does. Caleb, what does Doug do? Literally everything in the game. Cause, uh, so there are a lot, basically the Doug game works in that there's a lot of mini games. You're going around town, helping people do stuff. And so the there's Doug button basically does the main job of that said mini game, depending which mini game you're doing. So like one of them is picking apples. So the Doug button picks the apples and so it's the action. The yeah, it's action, the action button, the action button for Doug. So there we go. So uh, clarification. So please stop seeing emails. Caleb is on top of it. We, we now know <laughs> what the Doug button does. Um, you can uh, if you like this podcast, you can listen to us on any fine podcast app. And you can uh, rate and subscribe. That helps us out. You can follow me in on Facebook at Facebook.com Tuesdays with Scotty um, and find out more about Doug and other things. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube at um, Mopcast.com. YouTube. No, wait, no, sorry. YouTube.com slash Mopcast Network. It's one of those days. <laughs> um, today we have a special guest. That's Kevin Laporte of Flatline uh, Comics. He is a dear friend of uh, mine. I have known him for nearly 30 years and um i figured i'd bring him in for that and, and we're gonna we will eventually talk flatline comics because you know it's amazing that you know he's from south alabama like i am and he has a combo company and i want everyone to buy, buy buy his comics however uh we have passions in our pat we met because of the star wars collectible card game 
So, but you won't be bored because it's amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> but more on that later. I want to bring up a couple of things before we start. Oh yeah. Are you um Caleb, how do you feel about Weird Al? Uh I I love Weird Al. He, you ever seen him live? I have not, um, unfortunately, but I'm gonna try to fix that for you. I mean, how how well versed are you in Weird Al? Let's put it this first question. Um, I at least know about his movie, UHF. Yeah, VHF, which U is a UHF. very it's it's which UHF is a very unknown film. Nah, even it's for a, it's a culty film. I figure. Well, but I, I your basic Weird Al fan doesn't like always know about UHF. Really? I feel, I feel. I think most people think of like his music videos before they think of his film career. So if. <laughs> How do you think the girls would like UHF if we like if I pulled UHF and put it on the on the uh, cult move cantina? <laughs> I think they would hate me. <laughs> yeah, I we I feel like we should do it though. I I I do too. Um, I I did it once with the old format when we did uh, Bros, Booze, and Movies. I yeah. did it with the guys who did how, how it stacks, but the episode didn't turn mm -hmm. out right. Um, it just it was very long and it was it just didn't. Yeah, the audio wasn't great in it either. And so I scrapped it. And so it's one of those ones that I kind of want to do again. I haven't decided if I want to do it on Cold Movie Canteen or when, when, if and ever, we bring it back to Catacombs. Yeah, because it might, I do feel like UHF might be more of a catacomb. It is a catacombs, it is a catacombs kind of film, but it's like. But it fits both. It's really, really funny. When's the last time you've seen it? It's been forever, honestly. Like, it's on, it's on Tubi and a couple other things now. Okay. And I've, I've, I watched it during the pandemic. I've watched it since the pandemic. Okay. During during the the quarantine times, it's one of the movies I watched, and um, um, I love it. I saw it in the theaters when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. Um, and it was it was up against it was like it was the summer of '89 when it came out, and it was up against like, um, Batman, Lethal Weapon, to just just all this heavy like yeah, the heavy hitters. '89 was a huge movie for summer uh, for summer blockbusters, and so it just got nailed. But it's it's such an underrated funny movie. Yeah, it's just hilarious. And it, this, if you don't know. As I'm learning that Caleb says that most Weird Al fans don't know about it, it's a uh, uh, Weird Al plays a guy who gets his hands on a small television station that's about running over, about to to go under, and he starts creating his own programming for it, which becomes a hit. And it's all these, you know, he's really good at parodies, and so it's all these quirky game shows and talk shows. And yeah, it's almost it, it feels very very much like an SNL movie. Yeah, it very much like 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 it's very skitty, but it's and it's got um. Fran Drescher's in it, and Michael Richards is in it, and it is just Kevin McCarthy. Kevin Kevin McCarthy from like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I mean, and who's really, really he's the villain, and he's really, really, really funny. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, man, we need to do that. But uh, so I have seen Weird Al. This is a weird fact about me. I'm a huge Weird Al fan. My uh, I had known about Weird Al from. Uh, like, like I'm old enough for to hear Weird Al when Weird Al came out. So, like, Eat It and, um, well, not Weird Al, when Weird Al came because he did, like, another one rides the bus and stuff. But, but like, Eat It and, um, like, A Surgeon, those, those, that was kind of my era. But I didn't really get, like, deep dive into him until my aunt, my, my, my lovely Aunt Judy, for my, I want to say my 10th birthday or maybe my 9th birthday, bought me a cassette of Weird Al Yankovic's even worse yeah which has fat and stuck in the closet with vanna white and uh, 
uh, this song is just six words long, <laughs> just, <laughs> and uh, which is a George Harrison parody, and it's uh, and like I became a fan with that album. Like that album turned me into a fan, um, so uh, so much that I embarrassed myself trying to sing one of the songs at a at a, a high school talent show, um, which did not work, <laughs> and, but I got through it. Yeah, and um, yeah, the first actual cassette i had of him was a uh, weird al yankovic in 3d oh 3d is a great album that's got yoda on it right yeah um i can't remember I, the one i i automatically remembered which is how i remember which album it was was king of suede oh king of suede no i think yoda's actually on in um polka party maybe yeah i don't know there's so many good ones my but one of my favorites though is the uhf soundtrack it's uh dare to be stupid for dare, is it on dare to be stupid all right sorry all right uh, and then See, you, this is me doing this yeah. on top of my head. I didn't know I was going to do this kind of no, deep yeah. dive into Weird Al, but I this, mean, this is what we're doing on, on uh, this show. To kind of show what kind of fan <laughs> you got, I, I switched the camera about to kind of show off. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, I, so I, I do. So I'm such a fan, and I'll send pictures of that, Yeah, too. that way it's a little clearer, yeah. I'm um, such a fan, and uh, I've seen him every year since 2016 minus last year so from i've so uh he did uh he came to mobile in 2016 i saw him then and uh and he, on the um mandatory fun tour the, so the last album and then uh 2017 he doesn't tour and uh however I'm at Star Wars Celebration in Orlando yeah. uh, with Steph, and Steph and I buy. I, I bought tickets for the 501st Bash, mm -hmm. and um, because the 501st has such a relationship with Weird Al, Weird Al and the band show up during the Bash, <laughs> and they do a mini concert, and it's all stripped down. It's none of the hit, you know. It's just just weird stuff. I mean, just weird. They did Albuquerque, which is Albuquerque. It's such a great song, right? But it's like. 15 minutes yeah, long. Yeah, because it's, 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 it's literally just Weird Al telling a story with a ton of tangents. Right. It's just great. It's it's, it's like our podcast set to music. <laughs> right? Yeah. And uh, But he did Albuquerque. And so the very next year for 2018, he announces that he's doing a show that's all stripped down. He's only doing deep cuts. He's just doing deep, just anything weird. And I, I, and while I like the hits, don't get me wrong, I love the pati, uh, patiches he does and the um, or pastiches. That's the word mm -hmm. for pastiche uh, he does and the the just the deep cut songs. My favorite song of his is on UHF. It's a blues song called Generic Blues, and it just cracks me up. To I mean, it's so dumb funny, and I love it. And so I got tickets and did went to um, Augusta, Florida. Not Florida, sorry, Augusta, Georgia, mm -hmm. and saw him with at that show, and that was amazing. And then um, 2019, he does a show where he's just it's it's the hits, but he's doing it with an orchestra. Ooh! And so I saw that in New Orleans, and then um, 2020, he's at Pensacon, so we meet him at Pensacon. Uh, which was weird because also um, Jonah Hill was there too. From uh, he used to be on the Nerdist. He's now on uh, MS uh, Mystery Science Theater Three Thousand. He's the new he's the host. Yeah. 
And Jonah has done a punk album of Weird Al covers. <laughs> so I have a, I have a, I have the album, and I have it, I have them both signed it because you know I me, mean, my my thing is autographed. Yeah. And so I've got that. And then um, uh, I, uh, 2021 didn't see him because the world shut down. But 2022, he's announced another tour. And so he's doing the 2018 tour, that strip strip down tour. But he's coming to Pensacola. Uh, I'll uh, I'll I'll see if I can fix that for you so you can yeah. see where if you got the time i'll get those tickets i'll buy those tickets that'll be a good time but uh, um so that was our weird out and the reason i'm talking about weird out and i'm about to show this is that um weird out has a pinball machine out yeah uh, coming out this year and i sent uh some video and i'm gonna share some video with you guys too welcome to weird Al's museum of natural hilarity i hope you enjoy it there's a limited edition version I want so bad. I mean, you saw it in the video, but oh my god, yeah. I want that video. I want it so. I don't have nowhere to put it. I but I, I do. I do. Want were we it. were we able to convince the G and G guys to look into it? I can see if I can talk, Mike. If I if I bought it, I don't know how much that limited edition one is. Yeah. Um. If I could buy it and then store it here, I think that'd be fun. That may work. See if we can. How much crypto I got? I'm just gonna <laughs> share, get Pay Mike to put it together because I sure as hell am not gonna put it together. Speaking of concerts, um, I want to bitch about something real quick. Oh, I'm a Pearl Jam fan. Yeah, I, I'm such a big Pearl Jam fan. Like, like Steve Mop Studios is named after a Pearl Jam song. I, I mentioned this in the 500th episode. Go back and you can well, listen and watch that. Um, um, Pearl Jam's coming to Nashville. I had bought tickets before the pandemic for this tour, and then um, they postponed, canceled, kind of thing. They postponed that. They were like, we're, we're going to eventually come back. And then I waited, I waited almost 18 months and didn't hear new dates. So I went ahead and cash cashed out my tickets because I was like, they may never come <laughs> and they may not be able to get the venue. You know, and, and so, um, but they announced it a few weeks ago that they were, they're, they're, they're doing a new summer tour and they're, they're coming back to Nashville. And so I was like, cool, I'll get new tickets. For, and I was going to get tickets for me and my friend Kim because she's in West Virginia. I'm down here, but Nashville's kind of the midway point for us. Yeah, so it'd be a great way to you know spend the weekend together, catch up. We'll see Pearl Jam. It'd be great. Um, and so um, the way they're doing it is um, to site stop scalpers and and um, stuff. You had to sign up to Ticketmaster's website, and then and then there was a selection process where you you would get kind of queued in to buy tickets. Mm-hmm. So trying to keep bots and things out, which I think yeah, great because yeah. you know Pearl Jam had famously fought Ticketmaster to, yep. about this stuff, and so I was like, well, look, at least they're working together. And uh, so the day comes, and this was just last week. The day comes, and I am waitlisted. I didn't make it make it through, which is fine. I'll wait. And then I find out on Ticketmaster's secondary market site, which is on their site, so you know tickets you can just buy that are not direct. Mm-hmm. They're on sale. The cheapest ticket was four sixty seven, and that's for nosebleeds. And like, in in this last decade, I have seen Pearl Jam. I mean, I've seen Pearl Jam overall like ten times, but I didn't spend four hundred dollars when I went to the last time. Same in Seattle at their home. I, I mean, I spent like a hundred and ten bucks for those tickets, right? For two tickets, you know, mm-hmm. for a piece for two tickets because I did both nights. And then like, um. Hell, Kim and I saw them in 2013 for $25 a pop. And so it's like now it's 400 Like, man. So I'm, I'm waiting and kind of hold out. I'm going to try to see what I can do with tickets. I, I, worst comes worst, I think I'm going to go up there anyway uh, the day of and see 
at the closer we get to ticket time, if the ticket passes will drop. Yeah. Uh, and then see, just can, see at the door. Yeah. Kind of see at the door, just check the websites, but, or, you know, I, you know, if I'm waitlisted and tickets come available, they'll come at, at uh ticket price, not the scalper price. But it's weird that like Pearl Jam went to go fight scalpers and they basically just went to the super scalper. <laughs> yeah. Who super scalped. Oh, it just makes me so mad. Pearl Jam do better. So I looked into the prices. For Weird Al. Yeah. It is for the bait. You so you have to buy the base one first to get the deluxe one. All right. Uh the base one is three three grand. For Pensacola? No, no, no. For Weird Al's uh pinball. Oh pinball, sorry. Sorry. And then eighteen hundred for the limited edition. So five grand with tax and shipping, I guess. A little over five grand. And you can't even get the limited edition right now because it's sold out. Oh! Oh missed my chance. Um, when I get super rich, uh, I am going to buy that. But there is a there is a wait list available, so you, I mean, uh, breaks my heart. But yeah. it's one day, one day, one yeah, day, one day. I'll do a video; it'd be great. <laughs> but um, so uh, last thing before we get to um, Kevin, yes, um, you like Paul Dano? Yes, I do. I like Paul Dano too. Uh, I'm not really crazy about the new Batman movie, but I've been vocal about that on other podcasts. Yeah. However, Paul Dano's got some great stuff. I really like him in uh, There Will Be Blood. Yeah, he plays Weasley I mean, there, really well. There Will Be Blood is a classic. I mean, he plays Weasley super well, and like he's, I like, I like, I like him as the Riddler. Yeah, I just don't like that movie. <laughs> and then also another classic, in my opinion, with him is Little Miss Sunshine. Oh my God, he's so good! Ah, uh, such a Little classic. Miss, Little Miss Sunshine, such a good movie. Such a good movie. Oh, anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I found a video of uh, learning the alphabet with Paul Dano, <laughs> and I just wanted to share it for no other reason because it's freaking awesome. Yeah, it's so hilarious. Here's Paul Dano teaching us the alphabet. A is for <laughs> B is for baby. I'll do things to you I wouldn't do to a farm animal. C is for classic. D is for don't. Bully me, Daniel. Ah! E is for everything poops. F is for Fuck! G is for H is for hunky sad-eyed sex machine. I is for I'm Paul. I'm Paul. J is for you just kind of want to walk through a wall. You know, it's like <laughs> K is for I'll kill you! L is for. It's like. It's like this. M is for. Mustache is looking really good. N is for. O is for. Oh, they're real. P is for. Q is for. What a great, crazy question. Um. Oh, golly. R is for. S is for S. S. scones. We the heard scones. great things. Scones, scones. I don't know. Scones, scones. scones. All right. T is for this. I've never seen this. U is for V is for vigilante. W is for when do we get our money, Daniel? X is for real sex. Y is for you know made a little lunch money. Z is for Zoe. Wasn't that great? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I learned something. I would give him a Sesame Street show. I learned the alphabet. I did. I did learn the alphabet. 
Um, so uh, we're just gonna get to Kevin, and 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 so yeah, that's what we're gonna do. Just, let's just talk to Kevin. Kevin, let's go talk to you. So I'm here with Kevin Laporte of uh, lots of things, but including uh, Flatline Comics. Welcome, Kevin. Thanks, Scotty. Good to be here. Um, you've been on lots of our podcasts over the years. <laughs> you Man. were even in the 500th episode. <laughs> I was. We've talked about uh, varied and sundry things over the decades. Yeah. It's been um, a lot of fun. So we've been friends since, I want to say, 97. Yes, 97, the Sean Valdez tournament of the Star Wars customizable card game. Not collectible card game, the customizable card, card game. game. Right. Where, because uh, decipher had to be different. <laughs> yes, it worked. It did. And uh, you came over and played in that tournament that uh, Mike's wife and I were running right here at, uh, in Mobile. Yeah, we. Uh, if I want to say it was at Barnes and Noble. It was a sincere comic. Was it the first one at sincere? It was a sincere comic. Sean, yes. <laughs> we we did some at Barnes. I think we did the next year at Barnes and Noble. Yes, I think you're right. But yeah, they, they did. Um, they made a much bigger to do about it in '98. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so right. We had to expand it. I think everywhere with oh, the yeah. Barnes and Noble. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I actually remember. I don't remember my light side deck, but I remember my dark side deck because I thought I was. I I was playing locally. You know, just we were playing across the bay, and there was this. You know, it was me and then Amanda and like Bubba and mm -hmm. you know those who are listening who know us know these people. And uh, yes, there's a Bubba. <laughs> Alabama, there's of course there's a Bubba. <laughs> but um, I had just um, twicked out this um, Tuscan Raider deck that I thought was going to be like, because you know you could put four Tuscan Raiders together, yeah. and they would get their power, and, right? And then there was all these interrupts to add, add, add to it, and, and all this yeah. kind of crazy stuff. Now and then, no, nah, no, nah, that didn't. Nah, Luke shows up and. <laughs> What is this? <laughs> uh, the, the mains and the toys. toys. And that's, that was all that was running that game. That was uh, all I said was remains and toys that game. But yes, that's all anybody ran in those Jesus Christ. It was fun. What was but your yes. favorite deck? Uh, Definitely um, mains and toys focused around Obi-Wan. Yeah, especially controlling the cantina, all those uh, ways to force train. Right. And then you just destroyed whoever showed up in the you, cantina. You you had I remember playing you when you you had interesting deck designs because I could never beat you. However, um, I highlight in my early Star Wars career was tying you. And I remember this because this was at Barnes and Noble, and I tied you because we went to time and we had exact number of cards, but but it was with a, and I don't know if you remember it was an ISB deck 
with nothing but probe droids. I and, do remember that. Day. And undercovers. <laughs> <laughs> and so I just undercovered all my guys. So you couldn't, and there was no one for you to fight. That's right. The flip side was there was no one for me to fight or get cards. <laughs> so nobody was losing cards. Nobody was losing cards. We were just playing cards. <laughs> we were just, just hanging out and chatting and just like, but we and probe droids behind every wall. So for me, it was a moral victory. I took that. <laughs> A win. Yeah, that was one of the great things about that game, though, is that you could do whatever you wanted, story-wise, and make it fun or frustrating. Or... Right, but there's and there's not been a card game like it since. No, really, which is weird because um, it's it's truly unique. And and while there was in terminations and like terminations in all CCGs, um, you get I mean you get things that are the meta, but you could kind of break that and still do pretty good. And you may not always win, but sometimes you could change some things. Well, it always goes back to in, the, in that particular game for me, and this is getting a little bit obscure, but in the, I think the second World Championships after the Dagobah expansion had come out, some guy from England shows up with a Dagobah deck that's just Yoda and Luke on Dagobah, and he takes all of your cards and keeps putting them back in your deck, or he's able to manipulate his deck right. to draw the cards he wants at exactly the time he needs them and just destroys everybody at the world championships that year. Nobody ever had an idea that this deck existed. Right. It totally changed everything about the meta for that game at that time. But the fact that you could do that with a game was the coolest thing about that game to me. You could show up with anything and be competitive or get blown out, but you were going to have some unique design that nobody else had thought of. What, was your, what, what do you think was the most frustrating? Numbers. Like, what oh, we yeah. call Num- numbers. Numbers where, wasn't, yeah. You could make people lose cards out of their deck just based on the destiny number at the top of the card. Yeah, numbers was annoying. Yeah. Um, numbers I was terrible. I didn't like the um, um, the carbon freezing chamber one where you the the where you could take a prisoner out and just hold her, yeah. and you and would freeze up whatever the light side was doing. You couldn't do anything when the objectives came out. When the objectives came yeah, out, the, the objectives changed everything for the right. worse. I thought you couldn't be as creative. Well, I mean. I don't know. There, there were some that were really fun. I like. I, th- I think one of my favorite decks was there was in Death Star Two. There was welcome to Decipher Chat. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot this may be this may be this for a little bit, but in um, Death Star Two there was the Bringing Before Me. Yes. And so the big deal about that is that you, you you're trying to with Vader trying to cross Luke to the dark side. Right. And um, when Luke is in um, anywhere with an Imperial is automatically captured. Yep. So the trick is is try not to, to to really ruin a light side player's. So you play Mara Jade, who um could go undercover. Her her regular card could go undercover. Right. You just and so an undercover spy can't be, capture. And so then you epic duel Luke and put him out of play. <laughs> Ruins the light because they're losing three cards a turn. And just straight up at top of the deck. Just over, over. That's right. And then they can't play a Luke because he's out of play. That's and so correct. it's just like, that was always fun. <laughs> Takes a minute. Yeah, but that, it, that was the thing about the objectives, though, is that you could gimmick your way oh, to cheap shotting your opponent over and over again so many times. My other favorite one with that deck is uh, this, the same deck was you take, you, you take Vader... Capture Luke, bring him to the carbon freezing chamber, freeze him, play um, uh, Emperor's Prize, complete that. Opponent loses half the deck. Yes. Thaw him out and you do it again. (laughs) (laughs) And just over, just marching back. Because it was not that hard once you got constructed to just keep marching. Freeze-dried Luke. It was just like, "Mm." I'll call it Chuckle on the Outside Jedi in the Middle. (laughs) Uh, I guess we'll jump from Star Wars to Trek. Trek was... uh, 
uh, a good game for us too. The Cypher made a Star Trek game too. They made it first in '94, and then Star Wars came in '95, if I'm correct, or maybe '93 and '95. But the Cypher was a gaming company in the early '90s, and they were famous for um, um, uh, the murder mystery. How was the How to Solve a Murder? party game how to make a murder how to make a murder maybe i think that's it yeah how to make a murder it was a party game yeah and then they got the license from paramount to do a star trek version which i never played <laughs> me neither because i just like that doesn't make sense to me <laughs> how to host a murder how to host a murder that's yes. what it was how to host a murder i know our listeners are screaming how to host a murder and so that's how they got and then from that they got into card gaming Yes, and, and they so, had some other strategy game that was completely unrelated to customizable games, but I don't remember the name. I don't remember the name. I, don't remember, I know. I remember the, yeah. how, how to host a murder, like how to make a murder, how to solve a murder. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, so that, I, I, I learned about Star Wars in 95. I, and I was I buying them in my wheel here since they're comics for the longest time. And then uh, we played in high school, right at the end of high school. And then. I guess a year or two later we met you guys. God, man, that yeah, time flies, bro. Almost twenty five years ago. I think it's August twenty five years. We'll have you, have years you looked ago. at what those boxes are are going for? You had mentioned to me that they were going pretty high these days, right? Yeah, so um, no, I didn't look. <laughs> um, the like I was I was thinking for a while like well I could buy a, a base set like of unlimited the first set for I probably get it like a hundred bucks and we could do a draft. It'd be yeah. kind of fun. Like three hundred bucks. Yeah, I I wondered why a sealed product from that game had not increased in value because of the age of it for one thing right and the fact that so much of it had been open and consumed already and probably destroyed when the game went away right progressively over the years well i know decipher decipher gave a chunk of it to um the players committee and so like for years after the game ended for at least you could go to dragon con at least and play sealed tournaments for for you know we were doing that for up to almost 10 years wow you could go up there and, and and do sealed sealed stuff, but you know they 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 were they knew that was going away, and so they invented a cube format where it had right cards, and you could draft from that. But um, which is fun. But I, of course, I've not played Star Wars. I, me and Paul, my brother, played like three years ago, two three years ago, and it was like I I remembered most of it. Which I was, could probably pick it up and play right now and, yeah, get, and get most of the rules right. I think and, I, it, and I don't think I've played since 2002. Right. Yeah. Because, but it's it's interesting because it is a complicated game, and maybe that's mm -hmm. why it sticks in the brain. I think it sticks in the brain because it was to me a perfect strategy game, a perfect card. It's like playing with action figures with rules, right, and scenarios that are that are prefab, so that you can do anything you want but you're telling the story. Right. And if your story is better than your opponent's story, then you're going to win. And that's the way I always saw that game in Star Trek Second Edition. Star Trek First Edition, too, but Star Trek Second Edition was just tighter. Right. Yeah. That's why I love those games. That's why I, very few games since then have come close. Right. I, like, um, I mean, in fact, I'm the only thing I'm playing right now, card game-wise, is um, um, the old Vampire the Eternal Struggle game, which is the same way. It's a storytelling right. game. And, that, and that's why I think... I, you know, you, you, Magic and DBZ and Yu-Gi-Oh and Pokemon—they're all—they're all still big, but they don't—they're just dueling games. There's nothing to it, right? It's, it's just the substance there, not from for it's, me. It's like glorified war, right? To me, but we play Marvel Champions, a fantasy flight game, and it is ridiculously good. Cool, I'll have to try um, it out. It's it's customizable, but not to the same extent. And it's a co-op instead of a competitive game, which I enjoy at this point in life. But you can tell similar levels of story with the Marvel Champions game, as with those, 
it's not as location based. Right. And that's one thing I loved about those games is that oh, we're we're on goddamn Cloud City, <laughs> you know, and we're, we're gonna duel it out, you know, in the carbon freezing chamber, and it was fun to me that way. Uh, my favorite Cloud City deck was because um, that it, this is I I'm gonna divert to rings real quick. I, I I got good at Lord of the Rings toward the end of the first run. It took it took me a long time to figure it out, and once I figured it out, I um and Lord of the Rings also decipher game. These are all decipher games. We're talking oh, about. And uh, and I failed to mention it, but it's just as good as the others. Oh, I'm absolutely, like, absolutely. <laughs> as, well, I remember I remember because you you had Ground Zero yep. at at the time, and um you ran the first pre release. That, that was a comic shop, not a disaster site. <laughs> right, right. But it turned out to be a disaster right. site. <laughs> like like a lot of comic shops in the 90s and 2000s did, right? Um, but um, so you ran the first one, uh, the first pre-release we had for that. Yep. And won it because they gave, yep. they had the, they gave a prop ring. Still have it. Still have it? Yeah, it was the, it was fun, funny enough, uh, it was the one thing my ex-wife and I contested in our divorce. The <laughs> one ring of all things, my precious. And it was just a, you know, a, a brief argument, but it was the, of all things, it was a very amicable split. But that was the one thing that we She's did. She's like, I need the one ring. It's like, wait, I won that. That's my precious. <laughs> I, I won the precious. It's mine. So we had a good laugh about that since that was the one thing we argued. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. But I remember you you went in that one. Uh, and and honestly, didn't read the Lord of the Rings. I didn't all I knew was like Gandalf was a Santa Claus wizard, and I didn't know any like I didn't I, I never watched the cartoons, I never read the books. And so it's funny, the card game is what introduced me to that world because it came out before the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then that turned me on to the movies, and then, but the object of the, of Lord of the Rings is that you know you have nine locations, and you've got to get your Frodo from the first location to the last location before your opponent kills him. Right. If I didn't know, if I just listened to that fundamental fact, you could just you could you could literally run a deck with just Frodo and get him there. <laughs> I kept doing all this flavor, like I want to add these all these people, which you didn't need. <laughs> My last and my strongest decks I ever created the the, the, the that last that last that last few sets was just Fro Sam and um, Smeagol, and Sam and Smeagol were there just to die. Right. I just wanted to throw them out because because <laughs> by the end Fro's gonna be like I'm just killing everybody. Yeah, by the end of those movies, you want them both to die anyways. <laughs> You're right, <laughs> Rudy, Rudy. <laughs> so, so, but uh, anyway, so uh, taking that, so I, I took that idea of just the one character. And and moved it over to um, um, the Cloud City deck and built a whole Sabak deck with just Lando. It had yeah, nothing but Lando's, and it would just people would go to battle Lando, and he would just jump to weather vanes <laughs> off the board so you couldn't kill him, and then climb back on, and then gamble you some more, and win your cards or make you lose cards. That's how he how he won. The only time I ever game won a game um, uh, by more than sixty cards because in Sabak you can win your opponent's cards. And so yeah. I just I played against a speeder bike deck, and so I won all the equipment stuff out of it. <laughs> and so I just kept putting it in the That's deck beautiful. with traffic. God damn, that game was fun, Kevin. Yes, and never be anything like it. And there's not, and it's a shame though. And like, I, I hate to be the old man, but I, I'm like, you know, I hate to be like in my day. <laughs> But yeah, in my day, it was better. <laughs> and that design team that they had there, that group of guys, for that period of time, for my money, for what I, for the gaming and the storytelling I enjoy, uh, I don't know that it would ever be duplicated. No, to be honest. no, it was a time and place kind of thing. It's yeah, no, yeah. oh, such a good game. And they're like I said, 
you know, to a testament, regardless if you, you like the players committee or not, because I know there's a lot of people who are, you know, there are a lot of, a lot of, um, back and forth on it, but a, a game that literally has been dead since 2000 had a world championship last year. Yeah. It's crazy. And so, and, and I get the loyalty. It, it, uh, that just wasn't for me. Um, and I did, and then I discovered Star Trek Second Edition. And yeah, I kind of took over. Two E and Warner took over. And I always have too many projects going on of one sort or another. We were running a comic shop, yeah. or I'm publishing comics, or right. whatever. Um, studying to go to get a degree or whatever was going on in life, so I didn't have room for two games at a time. But I do miss that game occasionally, and I don't think I have a single card left from CCG from Star Trek. Star Wars, uh, I mean. Well, uh, uh, Trek, you and I went to. Two world tournaments. We went to two worlds. Yeah, two worlds, and I came in tenth and one. Yep, with that uh, annoying DS9 deck I had. I still have my seventh place crystal. A nice. From, uh, it'll go to the grave with me. <laughs> yeah, it was you in like, the one ring, right? Yeah, that I, I was so close to getting in the final four uh, that you're playing the number one guy. Right. I had him up on the ropes and and just some fortuitous draws for him on dilemmas just wiped out a team, and you know how that goes. Yeah, well, that's that's how I lost. Um, yeah. I, I lost my last match because. Um, I had, uh, I had, a, they, he destroyed a ship and, um, I had another ship at, at the home, you know, with yeah. the, the main location, wherever it was called back in the day. And, um, I didn't have anyone else to, who could staff it at all. I kept drawing all these, like, I, I just, I have no staffing, but I'm here to help. You're not help. That's <laughs> you, right. you can't, you're a doctor. You can't fly a ship. It was one of the beautiful things about that game. There was, it felt real that way. If your team got wiped out, your ship was just screwed. Right. You didn't have the expertise to move it. Right. And so, you're so you had to build a new crew somewhere else. And, on, uh, yeah. But good game. Great game. And that year in 2004, um, we walked away, not just finishing the top 10, but Decipher was always great to hold dinners right. for, for people who ran games and or people who owned shops and things like that. And they gave me a watch that year because I ran more decipher tournaments than anybody on planet Earth <laughs> in 2003, 2004. Oh, that's crazy. And, and, you know, between Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, Star Trek 2E, Dot Hack, if you oh, remember Dot that Hat, one. Yeah, Dot Hack. It's a fun game. Mega um, Man was fun, too. Yeah. And uh, I, I ran more and sanctioned more tournaments than anybody on planet Earth for Decipher in 2004 in Mobile, Alabama. We ran a lot. I we mean, did. We ran a lot. I mean, and we built, it's funny, like some kind of game stores who build a loyalty to Magic. And don't worry, we had Magic players too. Don't yeah. get us wrong. We were we were very pro Decipher. Yeah. Because that's oh, what we played. That's what we love. I've tried to play Magic. It's not for me. No. It's just, it just doesn't hit my brain that way mm-hmm. that I want to play it again. Uh, again, it just doesn't tell the story right. just the way that I enjoy gaming. Um, and to be honest, after playing Star Wars, it was you know, that's a high bar to set for me. And then it hasn't been overcome. <laughs> Did not expect this conversation. I should have known we wouldn't talk this. <laughs> oh, man, I want to. Oh, hell, I'll talk about it anyway. Uh, my favorite, and we've talked about this privately before, but I'll mention it because I want, I want a public record of it. Um, my favorite um, time you and me have ever played anything was um, Star Trek's first day. Um, you always played Romulans, and I was playing Dominion, and this was before I saw DS9. One of the greatest moments in gaming history. Right, right. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And so what's <laughs> crazy about 1E Star Wars, and we are talking about this, the storytelling aspect, you could literally do anything, including have the Romulans launch the Phoenix to stop Earth from you know, whatever. <laughs> you, know, you know, you have the Guardian of Forever that could send you to different... They had different timelines in this game. Yeah. Oh, it's crazy. 
And um, I played the Dominion. I this is before I seen it in an episode of DS. I didn't know who they were, but they could. I they looked neat. Yeah. Uh, they had Jim looked cool. Yeah. They could. They had people who could shape shift. But what's important, they could beam through shields. And so that's what we did. We followed you into the past and beamed onto the Phoenix. And yep, had a big fight Fight. between Romulus and (laughs) Jim I want to see that episode of Star Trek. Yes. I think you defeated that effort for the Romulus to launch the Phoenix. Right. We're like, you can't can't do it without pilots. We've killed your pilots. What are you so doing? They, they overtook the Phoenix and the Dominion got the war trap. So oh, that's that's all. I still lost that game, but <laughs> I, remember, I remember the last first tournament we I played, um, or I think we held a regional, and a guy had a board deck that had like mo- I don't know if you remember that had mostly just the space card. Yeah. And then he was like, oh, yeah. and he was like, he would just isolate you at the end of the of the space line, right? Just isolate and do all the stuff you needed. <laughs> and then he was like, but afterwards he was like, don't tell anyone about this deck. Don't I don't need to public. Like, he was like super crazy secretive. Um, he went on. He did not win worlds. <laughs> but you know, these are the early days of the internet, so we didn't tell anybody. We didn't tell him. We didn't care. <laughs> well, we put it on Facebook in 1998. No. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> we decided we had a message board. But <laughs> oh, man. wow, I remember that. And so. Uh, yeah, the cyber had a message board we were all, all on that uh, yeah back in the day. Um god damn, that's oh, I miss that stuff. Glory days. Oh let's we we'll talk about card games a whole damn day if we don't stop. But so um let's talk about other things that passion to our heart. Um you and I are children of the eighties and we both love G.I. Joe. Love G.I. Joe to this day. I to just the, spent way too much on Joe's this week. What'd you get? I pre-ordered the new Super 7 Ultimates, the, the four new figures they yeah. put up. Um, it was Scarlet, Cobra Trooper with with the laser whip. Yeah, with the laser whip, right? Yeah, laser whip. It blew my mind. Um, Doc, who yeah. I was super excited to see. And they have these like, screaming face from his painting, from right. his card back. Right. And you can put him with the mortar. You can reenact. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I must own this. <laughs> I got you. And, um, well, that's why I bought the bat, though, because yeah. the bat has the head that there's no head it's just sparks yeah oh and storm shadow right with excalibur excalibur's in that box oh, well see i i need that <laughs> i can't tell you, i didn't realize it's excalibur i'm gonna have to buy excalibur's that. in that box I and when know. i saw that because i'm like i'm gonna get dark because these things are 55 bucks a piece right they're expensive uh, they look amazing they this is the third wave they haven't shipped wave one yet yeah. they're looking at probably july right for wave one ships and I've gotten the other two waves because I'm a sucker, and they look ridiculous. I remember you, you're a couple, give me a laughing Destro. I'm gonna buy it. I mean, I, I, I liked a couple. I, I remember talking to you a couple of years ago when this kind of the this new wave of Hasbro stuff was coming out, and, Super, and before Super Seven. But I was like, Hey, are you gonna get? No, I'm good. I'm not gonna get any of this stuff. I'm good. I'm, I'm yeah. out. I'm out. Because you had a, you had everything at one time. I had every domestic figure um, as of 2000 four or five right at every domestic figure ever produced and quite a few of the foreign figures right and i decided to go to um med school and i paid for my tuition for the undergraduates classes i needed by selling off my joe collection i paid for every penny of it <laughs> selling joe's and uh i've regretted that <laughs> uh, for for a number of reasons but um but i, I definitely miss ha- and i still have a few key figures i have the first snake guys ever bought Right, and the first rapid fire motorcycle I ever bought. Those are sitting in my, my room right now, and the the major blood that I got mail ordered, you know, that is in my home at right. this moment from what nineteen eighty three, right, eighty four, eighty four. Yeah. Um. So, but everything else I sold, and uh, 
and I have regretted it, but the the new stuff is right. This really hit me right in my nostalgia. <laughs> so, and it's uh, so next level, so good. Well, if you can see, you know, Ke uh, Caleb's got the ca camera shot on Kevin, but you can see, go back to Kevin. Oh, yeah. oh, behind you, I've got the bat and the alley viper, which but, are two of my favorites. That's I mean. the first time I've even seen the new alley viper. They're, they're nowhere to be found. Oh, grab me. Go ahead and take a look at it. Just grab me. I knew you needed one. I I just had one in the shop. I just held it for you. No, it looks great. Oh, he looks amazing. I like the uh, the optical lens on the front of the shield on the helmet. Right, makes it look like Starro. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. It's such a good figure. Yeah, I love that. There, yeah. I'll get my hands on one. Just being patient. <laughs> uh, I'm waiting for Spirit. Spirit looks ridiculous. Just so Spirit sick. Stalker, my, maybe my two favorite molds that they put out so far. Right. Um, just the job they did on the, the authenticity of the clothing. It all looks real, right. realistic. Stalker's big scarf that they added just made, it's just a, a touch. It took the figure next level. So I, I love I love what Hasbro's doing with the Classified series. I like the, um, I, I, I'm not as, as crazy as their retro series because it just looks a little off. It's a little, little weird. Yeah. But at least they're doing O-rings again. Yeah, I'm not touching this stuff. I, I almost went in on the Sky Striker uh, Haslab, and I opted out at the last second. Did you? Yeah, I, you know, I was going to delay and delay until the last minute and make a decision. Because uh, if I was going to go in, I was going to go in on something to invest in and put away. And I just decided not to do it at the last I minute. I, and I do regret it. Bought two. Well, <laughs> you know, I wanted to see how far they would go into the stretch goals. And then they got to... Um, Scarlet. They got... No, they got to... Uh, the 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 paratrooper. Do they got the paratrooper? Yeah. Uh, um, I'm blanking. It's not airborne. Not free fall. Uh, uh, not crazy legs. <laughs> it'll come to me. But yeah, they got to him. It's the night force version, right? And um, ripcord. Ripcord. There we yeah, go. They got to the night force ripcord, and that's the one I really wanted. And I had fallen asleep. <laughs> I right. forgot to put my order, my order in. So. I missed out on that, so I'm I'm I'm, a, I'm, I'm sticking. I'm going to do the classified stuff, but I'm not getting everything. There's just some that didn't appeal to me. I want a good deal on when I get the sky. I got two. Okay, so we'll talk. But, um, but the the Super Seven stuff is better to me because it's hope, cartoons. I hope when it shows up, it looks as good as it looks online. Like it's it's so smart that it's it's the cart. I mean, it's anime. It's the cartoons. They yeah. look like the cartoon stuff. Well, and they keyed on moments or facial expressions. Like they've got a Destro with lava mm. on the mask, right. or a laughing Destro, uh, which will live on my desk for all eternity once it shows up in my house. Um, but to put Excalibur in that box of Storm Shadow just takes it so far. The stuff they put in with Cobra Commander, the globe with the snake wrapped around it, things like that, just uh, so damn cool. The radioactive capsule with snake eyes, right? Or the radioactive. Um, that one where uh, the eyes are red or something on the head. And there's there's something else with the radioactivity from the first series right, right. of G.I. Joe cartoons. They, they've also put out uh, in three and three quarter inch, but they put out the blind guy that finds Snake Eyes. Yeah. And Snake Eyes, a radioactive, like he's a glow-in-the-dark radioactive snake. Right, guy. with the with the, the uh, team of uh, Huskies. Yeah, Huskies and stuff, yards. yeah. yeah. I've, got, I've got some of them on order, so... Um, I was like, I, yeah, I, I have get to draw a line somewhere. I, but <laughs> I, I, I don't. I mean, I've got my collections here. I don't have a lot. Kevin yeah. was I don't have. A, I have a few things, but I don't have a lot of stuff. But there's some things like 
I never thought they would make that. Right. And that's something that I'm like, okay, I'll all on that. If they if if Super Seven would make Colt Slither. Don't you think that's probably on their list? Has Based to be the kind of things that they're doing. It has to be Cold yeah. Slither. Has I'm, to be on the list. I'm sure that's going to happen. Uh, Shipwreck and Mara. Yeah, would be great. That's going to happen. The Wiper. Oh, the Wiper. Why is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um. Oh well, let's just talk our favorite episodes too. While we're, we just might as well talk about because we this will all mix in this stuff because I I love the GI Joe cartoon. In fact, in fact, during the pandemic, and it's all uh, Hasbro was smart enough. To, to put it on a 24-hour loop on YouTube. Oh, yeah. You can bet I introduced my then seven-year-old to the show. Right. Because she loved it. Right. I mean, because it still holds up as funny. It's kind of goofy. There's right. enough action to be interesting. What I think is missing in the movies is that it's it's too military, less sci-fi, and less, like, at the end of the day, you've got to, you, you, you can't take it serious. You can't, and so like I think the 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 two movies I haven't seen Snake Eyes yet. It's sitting on my desk, and I'm just like I hadn't watched it. I haven't watched it either because I was just like I can't make myself watch it. I can't either. That's I, like, it's not even the same character, right? And so, um, I'm just I'm just I'm really curious about you know there's there's a way to make this work. You can you can have your cake and eat it too if you just follow the path that's there. Yeah. It'll work. It'll work. It can be goofy. Goofy's fun. Well, you, and you think they would figure that out from what's worked and what hasn't for Marvel and DC. Right. And particularly things like Deadpool. Right. Where it's like, if they took Deadpool and made it like a serious martial arts movie set in the X-Men universe, nobody's going to care. No, no. That's no. Wolverine or Gambit or right. whatever. But they keyed in the goofy humor. And that's something that was missing from those G.I. Joe movies. It, it wasn't smart. The, the roster was too small. Right. Um, there weren't enough fun cameos from other characters. I don't care if it's big actors, but right. just give us some of the characters it should, on the quick, side. Kick, quick kick show up for some reason. I just... <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> right? I, but by the cross way, country. When, <laughs> when the hell is Quick Kick going to show up in one of these new toy lines? Quick Kick is missing in action. Yeah. Those are, Super important character. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody loves him. It's John Wayne impressions. Right. The whole nine yards. Bring in Quick Kick. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy with most of what they've done, but that's one character I really love to see more of. Yeah, uh, and the roster is huge, though. Um, yeah, but I tell you who I'd like to see. Um, and, and we have a Zartan, and we're getting a Zorana. Um, I I would love to see the Dreadnoughts, and I, I figure they'll come first. But imagine classified Road Pig. Road Pig has to happen. He's <laughs> one of the most iconic designs that they ever yeah, made. Who was never in the show should have been. But and you're talking about like. He's a Wave 7 1988 figure. Right. I mean, he was late. Right. And there were some good there were some good figures in those last through 8990. Right. There were some really great figures, but Road Pig was a class of those three or four years. Um, just the, the center block on a stick. Right. The the flat top with the red stripe. I mean, he looked like he's straight out of Mad Max. Uh, which, which, a perfect dreadnought. Well, perfect dreadnought. looked like he's straight out of Mad Max, which fits fits Australia. Yep. Oh, so good. So it's just a great figure. So. Yeah, and I, and I hope we're going to get like a three-pack of Buzzer Ripper Torch. Right. And then um, a Road Pig not long after that. Yeah. I, I mean, I know people are beating down their doors online to, to make Road Pig. Um, I mean, they're getting we're getting um, Crocmaster, which is weird. I thought that was really weird. And but he looks great. He looks great, but he is pretty much uh, a larger version of the three and three quarter inch figure. I mean, design wise, right? But uh, I wasn't unhappy with that, especially no, when you're in a full size gator. No, and, and many like their baby gators yeah. too. Where you get a lot of you know, it's, and the gators are you know what 
six inches a foot. He's huge. It's gigantic. I mean, it's, it's the scale. It's it's so surprised me. So um, um, so yeah, no complaints there. Um, but you know, I'm curious to see what they do with the Super Seven and the classified lines. There's so much variety to choose from. Right. Like, I can't see the classified people go into dock. But the fact that Super 7 put out a great dock, I mean, that's a second wave figure from 83 mm-hmm. and um, a pretty obscure figure. But he has a history in the comics. His daughter is now Doc. He's retired mm-hmm. and she took on his name. And it's just there's like such a heritage throughout the G.I. Joe line. But to get that figure in his classic fatigues, right. like his med box, his hat, this, this, the the aviator sunglasses that he always wore, the screaming face and uh, the border. And, and, it just and, looks amazing. And realistically, there's not a lot of black T.I. Joes. There's a handful. We've got um, Stalker. Stalker, Alpine, Alpine. Um, um, Iceberg. Iceberg. Who's <laughs> also voiced by the, Destro. The <laughs> guy from Texas who loves cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> Roadblock. <laughs> Yeah, and, and there's some drivers that I'm not thinking of. But right, but there's only a handful. So right. you let, but starting out with Doc is great. I think it's it's great. Again, um, uh, so some of your what are you, your favorite episodes? Some of the episodes you remember, things you remember. Well, to be honest with you, um, uh, the funnier ones stand out to me. Sure. Um, my favorite because when I was 12 years old, I'm I'm quite a bit older than you, but I was 12 years old. I came home from school and that first episode was on the mass device right. four, four episode or five episodes. Five episodes show. from Monday through Friday. Yeah. And um, I remember things I ate during, during watching those I shows. remember the first time I, um, I was I was six, I think, five or six when I first but I remember where I was when I when yeah. I watched it yeah. uh, every five episodes. I don't remember quite what I ate, but I remember things I said to my brother while we were watching the show. I remember just, you know, so much about those days because it was for one thing it was a lot of fun it meant a lot to me because i was i was i had quite a few of the straight arm figures at the time right so i was really into the story um and that one just lives in my memory the the coolest one to me though is the alternate reality uh two-parter where was it steeler grunt and breaker and breaker um, three first series guys that don't get a lot of play in any format, honestly, um, end up in an alternate reality where the Baroness is a double agent who really works for the Joes. Right. And Steeler, at the end of this thing, he's in love with the Baroness and stays in the alternate reality. Well, so does Crunt Breaker. Yeah, they're like, we can form because they're like, they're, like we're, they're not making our figures anymore. We're just going. <laughs> we're going. So, yeah, they, they stayed in the so, alternate reality. So, that reality. also has Lady J, Flint, um, there's another another later Joe, and I can't remember who, who who else was in it. But my favorite part of that whole episode is the end of it, yep. because because the the premise is uh, they fall into a, a dimensional door or whatever because of a cover device, and they end up in this alternate reality. Only a two parter. In the end of the second part, at the end of it, when the Joes decide they're going to stay and the ones are going to leave, they're all talking about it. And they're like, we need to find that uh, doorway, and Flint literally goes. It's over there. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everybody. <laughs> and it was almost like, and there it is. <laughs> but just in my head canon for G.I. Joe, that's Flint. Right. Like he knew the whole time. He kept it in his back pocket. And he's like, hey, jackasses, <laughs> it's over there. They're all hugging and stuff, saying the goodbyes. Like, we got to go. <laughs> and, you know, he just used it half, you know, 50% just to impress Lady J. So. I, I like the 
the speaking of two parters, I like the two parter where Cobra decides to kidnap uh, certain members of GI Joe's family. So Scarlet's family, yep. Spirit's family, Quick Kick's family, uh, and and the 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 A story of this is that um, there's a crystal that they've discovered that can't be um, vibrated or explodes. <laughs> so they're going to carefully transport very slowly. <laughs> so Cobra can't, so they can destroy it before Cobra gets, a, uh, get their hands on it. And Cobra decides to get their hands on it by kidnapping other Joe's families to, to brainwash them. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and you know, it's written by white guys. So it's like the stereotypical Indian, Indian group. Um, but the spirit's grandfather, who's very, very ironized Cody, <laughs> just like, and just very, but, it, it, but apparently because he's Native American, he's uh, resistant to the mind control yes. device. He's really fighting it. It's like, I'm like, go my people. So, uh, Spirit had that iron will, though. Right, he I did. Mean, he really did. That was the thing about him, his stoicism and his iron will. But to be fair, though, Scarlet's family, who were supposed to be from Atlanta, <laughs> right. a large city, right. seemed like a family you would find in the hills have eyes. <laughs> they were so backwards redneck. They were, I was like, I, look, I know people from Georgia, and they do have thicker accents than people from Alabama for right. the most part. But it's kind of an attractive draw, and not like you know West Virginia, <laughs> Hatfields and McCoys, hillbillies. Right. I mean, uh, so they didn't really do their cultural homework on any level. Um, shipwreck family too, because he's got the little boy, the, oh, the nephew. I love shipwreck. I hate shipwreck. Do you? That's the one Joe I think I really hate. I hate his outfit. I hate his voice. <laughs> I've always oh, hated Neil shipwreck. Flynn, man. I, I had one and I would never display him. I put him in a bag in a drawer. <laughs> really? Um, I, I got one. I hate Polly. I, I hate got, the whole shtick. I got my first one as an adult last year <laughs> in, a, in that collection I bought and uh, sold it to a Navy guy. I mean, well, I'll tell you, um, despite my hatred for shipwreck, I understand that he isn't a lot of people's favorite Joe. Well, because and, and he is nowhere to be seen in the modern collection, right? Which is which is crazy because it like because in the because in the show he's not in mil. You learn that he's not in, in the military, right? He, he's a merchant marine. Yeah. Uh, so, so he's a. At, they first meet him in um the second run, this uh the Ranger Cobra. Yeah. And he's they're in the desert, and he's got a ship that like that's right, just sitting in the sand that, that can ride the sand and sail sails the sand. He, Mutt and Flint find him. Back to your sci-fi, right? Yeah. And so, uh, and you find it like because I, I always thought he was a military, but there's an episode where there there's an episode where they do um, Cobra hacks again GI Joe's computers, and they promote Lifeline, who's a pacifist, Shipwreck, and is it Beachhead? Yeah, Beachhead, uh, who's from Auburn, Alabama. Yes, because <laughs> file cards, man, Larry Hama, <laughs> <laughs> and and because of they can't you know, like. Shipwreck doesn't have any military expertise. Right. Lifeline's a pacifist, <laughs> and Beachhead is just a drill sergeant. A drill sergeant. Yeah. He's just he's just enough, and so it's all discombobulated. That's the first time I found out he wasn't in the well the, in mili- the, the military. The interesting thing about the cartoons is that they are the continuity is almost completely separate. From, oh, that's right. from the Hama written comic. Right. How- and and look, I love Larry Hama. He created this whole thing, and you know, ninety nine percent responsible for the popularity of GI Joe. Um, but I enjoy the kind of quirky sci fi stuff, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoy the comics. I've read them all. Um, but the cartoons more than I enjoy the comics. Weirdly enough, did they just also pick up Quick Kick? 
quick kicking somebody they also picked up. Yes. Yeah, that was part of their build for the new line. Right, but they were like, yeah. there's like, oh, in the cartoon, they were like, oh, well, he can kind of fight, so he'll fight yeah. Cobra with us. And he right. Just hangs out with them. Yeah. 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 He had some interesting episodes as well. One where he fought Storm Shadow with some kind of special sword. Maybe it was Excalibur. Again, I can't remember. Yeah. It's the Excalibur episode. Yeah. Um, but I don't know why Quick Kick's John Wayne voice all the time doesn't bother me, but Shipwreck's bad Jack Nicholson slash Christian Slater voice <laughs> drives me up the wall. Well, uh, the the guy who played Quick Kick is going to be at uh, convention you and I are going to do. Oh, no. yeah, he's uh, going to be up there, and um, Storm Shadow is going to be up there, and um, the guy who played Duke was coming, but he had surgery, surgery yeah. recently, so Sold he's up. canceled. So all that. Well, well wishes to Michael Bell, who's Absolutely. Star Trek, Star Wars alumni, plus he's in every cartoon we've ever listened yeah. Legendary. For 20 years, the portal has been closed. It is about to be reopened. This is a detour, a twist in time, a curve of space. Journey into man's imagination with America's most fantastic storytellers. Coming soon to CBS, all new tales from the Twilight Zone. What if I told you that one guy felt so pushed by the government that he felt he had nowhere to turn? That in his, his only course of action was to build a tank and lay waste to the town he lived in. Yes, I, know this. I, I read this story. Seems reasonable. Build a tank? Build a tank. Yep, okay. Granbury, Colorado... Absolutely makes sense because they're high. <laughs> <laughs> and more ways than one. <laughs> Lack of oxygen not and what just, oxygen they get altitude. is weeded. Not just altitude. Is no. a town in a high basin of the Rocky Mountains. Oh, so double, double high. <laughs> Triple yep. high. There you go. It has a population of around 2,000, but about tw- but it's about 20 miles from the Rocky Mountain National Park and 100 miles away from Denver. So that'll give you an idea of where it's. So four hours to get to Denver by tank. Right. Four okay. hours by tank. <laughs> Tourism is a draw to the area, but the townspeople think of it uh, of it as a less than a boutique uh, boutique town like Aspen, and more like a service town that has a couple of banks, a concrete plant, a few businesses that cater to the tourism. Is it's a it's a small town. Does concrete grow that high? Yes, it does. Okay, <laughs> it's high as an elephant's okay, eye. Okay, uh, it has a good old boy element. Good, honest, hardworking people. Marvin Hemeyer. Owned a small muffler shop in, in Granbury, Colorado. He made a living uh, repairing mufflers and, by all accounts, was a wizard at welding. Hmm. Wizard. You can be a wizard at anything. That's a thing you can be I a wizard guess at. So. Uh, he did good work, which caused his business to, to thrive, and the success allowed him to expand. In 1992, he bought two acres of land from a federal agency that was organized to handle the assets of a failed of failed savings and loans associations. So back in the eighties, bunch of uh, savings and loan banks failed, and they had a lot of just a lot of property and stuff they had to get rid of. And it took them years to get rid of all of this stuff. And so in ninety two, he they have some land in Granbury that he's going to buy. So he bought uh, two acres um, for forty two thousand dollars to build his muffler shop. Um, the problem was that the townsfolk 
built a new sewer line that was around the muffler shot and not close to it. So it was going to cost him like $80,000 to hook into the sewer line. Which is more than what he paid for the land. Which is more than he paid mm-hmm. for the land. That is sky high pricing. Right. And so he... Uh, look at you. <laughs> <laughs> he got jokes, people. <laughs> and so um, he wasn't willing to pay good a, g- a good deal of money to tie into the existing sewer sale. And this began his problem with the local government because you have to tie into sewer and water in this town or people get upset. It's like septic tanks or whatever. Right. Yeah, or, right. you know, a pit. Right. Like, don't go near Granberry's Pond. Right. It's a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> we call it a cray hole. <laughs> Let that gray water go fall into Ugh. it. <laughs> he Meyer complained to the town council about uh, about other businesses and lashed out about had land out, uh, and and other business owners. Anyone he felt he was taking was taking advantage of him. He lashed out about. So he's not making friends right. in this whole thing, which is odd. You think he wouldn't be so outspoken if he's literally a muffler guy, right? right. Like that's the quiet. <laughs> right. And right. now he's like, no, fuck that. <laughs> I, I, oh, my no, job no. may be quieting things, but I'm going to be loud. Yeah. Oh, he's quiet all the time. Yeah. Yeah. He's got to, yeah. he's got to let loose. Yeah. He's got to let that steam out. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying my car once a week doesn't go, man, my muffler has been working. Let me let out a belch. <laughs> like, you know, he's, <laughs> no, he, uh, he's so, so, so he's not in, the good old boy network. No, is he's what not. You're he's saying. Out. And the reason no. why he's out, he he moved. Um, the reason why he's in Cal- Colorado is that he was in he was in the military. Okay. And then after he got in the military, he said, "This is kind of a nice place for." I, I, I want to. How old is he here in the nineties? Uh he's in his forties. Okay. He's okay. In, so at so, so, so a reasonable age, yeah. right? So he's our age. Yeah, definitely a reasonable age. Reasonable. <laughs> he's, he, he, yeah. Yeah. We none of us lose our mind for the littlest things of anymore. Prior to this, he bought land. <laughs> uh, with two cabins on it, he rents one cabin out. He stays in the other cabin. He he enjoys two things in life. He enjoys sitting in his hot tub and looking out uh, uh, onto his land. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yeah, sounds it's, reasonable. It's Peaceful cold. in Colorado. The hot tubs are great. Yeah, there I'm you a big go. fan Perfect of hot tubs. Yeah. And then he also loves snowmobiling. Okay. And there was a group that called. They were called the Tuesday Snowmobilers, and they would go every Tuesday. They would like. They would like. Um, you know, not work and they'd go snowmobiling. So Colorado for mudding. Got right, it. basically. Right. Basically yeah. what they were doing. But making enemies with the neighbors seems to be a theme for these type of stories you share. <laughs> yeah. Right. Speaking of neighbors, uh, neighbors, Cody Dochev bought certified ready mix in 1972, which at the time only produced 5,000 yards of concrete a year, which is not bad, I guess. But over the years, much like Tommy is a smart businessman, he increased it to 40,000 yards and changed the name to Mountain Park Concrete. NCP, or NPC, is a family affair with Cody's son Joe and his wife Susie helping out. They're the three owners. Um, business was good, and the family was looking to build a new batch plant, and they actually tried to buy the land Marvin bought at the 1992 auction, but lost out to Marvin, and so they bought the land next door. Which is closer or further away from the sewer um, closer, okay, and then they and they had no problem going into the easement. They, they right, had, they had so, no. So my first thought is, why does he just let them pay for it, and then he just runs a line to their place? That was an option. He kept refusing it. Okay, mm. there, he keeps. He probably couldn't get anything written in concrete, <laughs> so uh. he didn't want to, you know, take his chances. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is why why we lo- this is why we love you. Yeah. 
course, they needed more land, so they approached Marvin, and according to them, there was a handshake deal made for uh, to buy the Marvin's land for two hundred and fifty thousand dollars. That's a, not a bad turnaround. Yeah, he spent times. what you said forty two. Yeah, right. For two fifty, get to two fifty. That's a pretty um, six times. Done. Yeah, uh, I could give live like a king in Mississippi for two hundred fifty thousand yep. dollars. That's right. true. Right. <laughs> Uh, but the, no snowmobile, but you could mudmobile. Right, right, you could, right. You could mudmobile. Mudmobile and crawfish. Let's go. That's all it is. Casinos. <laughs> Casinos. Turn that back into 40K. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Joe, Do- Joe Dochef, um, Cody's son, went to town, uh, the town council to get the ball rolling because, like, hey, we want to build this plant, which is great for the town. You know, more jobs, more business. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, but they had to get the area rezoned, and which they do. Uh, but while they're doing that, Marvin has ch- uh, changed the price to three hundred seventy-five thousand. He upped it mm, because he by said one hundred twenty-five thousand. <laughs> but in his mind, was it's like another fifty percent. Well, if you're going to get it rezoned, that makes my property vet more valuable. So you're going to have to pay for that value. Mm. So he went back on the handshake yeah. deal, right? Uh, and then Which. he decided to do it again, and they raised it to a million. Oh, so so paid forty-two. Yeah, wants to sell it for a million. So they were cool with the three seventy five or three twenty five or whatever. They almost were going to pay that, and then he, they, they were like, "Well, if we have to pay it, they're going to have to pay it." They were a successful business. And then he tried to do three hundred percent on top he, of that. Then he added another zero. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, "Wait, hold up." <laughs> added on. a uh, added a few more zeros. Yeah. <laughs> Let's add a zero before the decimal point. What's so <laughs> so the Dose Chefs bought land on the other side of, uh, and left Marvin alone because yeah. that's all I could they could do. Yeah, the town council went after him. Um, about the sewage line, and he said, "Well, the the concrete plant's not giving me an easement, and the concrete plant plant's like, no, we're totally give you an easement. We will totally do that." And he's like, "No, they won't give me an easement." <laughs> 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 and so they fine him like a hundred dollars a day for basically having no sewer line. So, what is he oh, shitting he in at this it. point? So, so that's my question: Is has he developed this land at this point? No, he's he's got his muffler shop on it. Which okay, which he doesn't. He doesn't operate all the time because he's hot tubbing and has to poop at home. (laughs) Well, yeah. So, so like, is there just, I mean, I guess it's just welding. He's got no shitter there. Well, he's got, he's got, he's a creative guy. And from what I understand, he's got tanks built so that can, you know, yeah, that he can use a toilet and it goes, but it it like, it's like his own septic tank he's built. Okay. It's not, but but so, so, so he has a history of building tanks. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so he has his own system Uh in place, his own systems in place. Right. Right. And the, the town's like, no, no, we, we have a thing. And, and he's like, oh, you're you're only, you're only picking on me because I'm not one of you. I'm an outsider. And, you know. The the town council like the oldest family has got members on right. it and the, and the mayor's been there for a billion you know that kind of stuff and I he's mean, like I kind of see his point I, right yeah so like if, if you own land and you want to be able to do something like I own property and if you want to be able to do something you have to ask somebody can I do this to my property and and, and to an extent I get it right like you know if you're in this nice neighborhood you don't want to put a trailer on it you know that kind of kills everyone else's property value but like oh well I want to you know put this thing to, oh well no you can't do that. Then why do I own this? Dude, if property? I want to dig a hole fifty feet down and shit in it, right? I should be able to. You paid forty two thousand dollars for that property. Right. That's yeah. That is my forty two thousand dollars shithole. Right, exactly. <laughs> Literally. And so, so I, I, I kind of get it. And then get you it. get it back to five feet below the surface. You fill it in. You dig another hole. And, and, and you're yeah. good for another twenty weeks. And I don't know how long it takes. I don't know how long it takes to fill a fifty hole foot hole of shit. Don't get me wrong. I understand when I get this land, they say we're they've. 
they've built the sewer line around your land, which kind of seems sh- shady because after you buy it. And then they're like, oh, yeah, to tie yeah. into it, it's going to cost $80,000. Oh, so it was after he – I guess yeah, I missed that. Yeah. After he bought the land, land, they did the – Yeah, they did the line oh, around, yeah. around it. So, yeah. So, so, so he's got okay. – right, Oh, yeah. He's got I rights. understand. Other than, other, than, other than the fact that he's hard-headed for not just tying into the other people's thing. Right, right. right. And like, 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 other than that – I, I'm, I'm on this guy's and, side so and, far, and, yeah. I will, and I and I will say that in the articles I read about this, I'm doing the research on this. It is a lot of a lot of he said she said stuff. So he says that they wouldn't let him tie into an easement. They say we had no problem with that. Of course, we wanted him to do that. It's you know, and so maybe they're trying to charge him for it, or he didn't want. Yeah, to pay but, but for none it. of that I can. But it was like it's not 100 percent clear. Um, so Marvin, so it was uh, anything but an easement. It sounds like a difficult, yeah, minute. Yeah, d- difficult yeah. minute. So, so again, the Doshas bought the land on the other side and left Marvin alone. So Marvin took that as a slight, and over the next few years, did his best to the, to get the rezoning stopped. He tried every legal trick in the books, including calling the EPA to slow down the progress. But in the end, the the city changed the zoning and cleared a path for the concrete plant's construction. Uh, the town also fined. Uh, Hemeyer for not having water sewer line. They charged him $100 for a day and that he paid a month's worth. So he paid, you know, three grand or whatever it was. And he signed it to like the liars and cheaters of, of the town. That's what the note was. And then they sent him the check back because they said it wouldn't clear that way. Mm-hmm. And so it, there was a whole thing about that, which is he's kind of my hero. <laughs> so far, we're okay. <laughs> we're yeah. ha- have you heard that story about the guy who like got fined something and he like brought in pennies? Oh, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you know, it's kind of like that, right? Here's, right. Here's, here's your, your check. Here's your, yeah. uh, he would eventually lease, the lease, then finally sell the property to another realtor that owned a business called The Trash Company. When I looked up The Trash Company, they're an independent trash pickup company. And okay. so they used it to store their trucks in the winter because the winters suck in right. Colorado. So that's what. And as part of the agreement, he leased the portion of the land and built a metal shed on it. And this is where he would build his revenge. The shed become a, his home. He had food, television, and a cot inside. But no bathroom. He had a bathroom, too, but I just didn't put it in there. Okay. Okay. He, uh, he spent the next six months to a year putting his wizard-like welding skills to use. He bought a Kumatsu D355A bulldozer from a, uh, an auction in Fresno and had it trailered in. <laughs> And that was, like, it's huge. It's a huge-ass tra- uh, um, bulldozer. Mm-hmm. And had it trailered in. And, like, it was it was so big, it was a spectacle for the town to see <laughs> this thing coming in. Little did they know they were watching right. the demise. Right. <laughs> what is uh, that? Like, hold on. So, I'm in the wrong business. If he's fixing mufflers and can buy this land. I mean, I know you said he got out of the service. Right, but, but, but he had had some businesses outside Okay, and it's not clear what those were, but he had some income come from somewhere else. Okay, and so he was basically comfortably. He wasn't. I mean, he lived frugally, but right. he wasn't. You know, he built shit tanks, and, and so he did. <laughs> yeah. he did his mufflers. Like I think the muffler shop was his fun money. Okay, and uh, you know, he had other business to take care of, like everything else. So okay, he, you know, as long as I can pay my. It's just like talking with our friend Bubba. I know how much tractors cost, let alone a bulldozer the size you're speaking. But he got, but apparently he got got the bulldozer at an auction and got it for a great price. Because he's thrifty. That's probably still 200k. Like no, no, it wasn't. uh, um, It wasn't that much. Okay, it's like used one, so it wasn't that much. 
So, uh, so he took uh, ka- uh, Katsumu, uh, ka- Komatsu, that's what it is, D355A bulldozer and armored it that with... That sounds like a droid. Right. Come on. I told you I was going to get Star Wars on this. And armored <laughs> it with one and a half inch thick steel plate that covered the cabin, the engine, and parts the track. One and a half inches. That's... Yeah. I mean, like, like oh. regular... Oh, see, I know how big that is. I see it every heavy. day. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I, I'm not going. I'm not going to talk about man's shortcomings. That's all I'm going to raise me better now. And yet, you made a pun about it. Um, what did I? You said shortcomings. shortcomings. I know. Yeah. So, uh, in places, he had put steel plates that sandwiched concrete, making them the poor man's version of compo- uh, composite armor. So, please tell me. It was Mountain Concrete's company's concrete. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> I did not find out out okay. for sure. Hey, uh, neighbor, <laughs> can I borrow like, I don't know, seven yards of concrete? I don't know why you measure concrete in yards. That's very weird to me. Uh, this made the vehicle. What's it for? It's a project. <laughs> <laughs> just, Th- just this fi- made- finally building a shitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this made the vehicle impervious to small arms fire and resistant to explosions. Yeah. <laughs> Ceramite. He made Ceramite, which is a 40K reference. So. Marvin put in bullet pool, bulletproof plexiglass windows to protect it, the slots he used to look outside. He installed uh, a closed-circuit cameras, uh, five of them outside the vehicle, with the video monitors on the inside. Uh, the cameras were protected by bulletproof Lexan and had compressed air nozzles that would blow dust away from the camera lens. Can we pause Dang. for just a second? Yeah. When the zombie apocalypse happens, <laughs> I want this dude. Wow, we yeah. just want to Bubba's. Bubba <laughs> makes that. In, Bubba makes uh, that. Bubba makes that in like two days. <laughs> and he's got peanuts. <laughs> and, he, and he's got peanuts. Uh, it had onboard fans and an AC to keep him cool. He he, he had uh, made three gun ports, one for a fifty caliber rifle, uh, one for a, a three hundred eight semi-automatic rifle, and a twenty two long-range r- rifle. <sighs> this thing's missing a flamethrower. Word. <laughs> Once inside, he had no intentions of getting out. Did he, he have food? a fridge? Yeah, he had food. He okay. Had, he had, he had, <laughs> he had, he had fatties. <laughs> like, no, it's just, it's it's like, <laughs> Give it up. it's like seven shelves of Vienna sausages. <laughs> <laughs> it's all spam. Yeah, it's all spam. On June 4th, 2004, Hemeyer. 2004. Yeah. So it took him that long. No, he bought the property in in ninety two, right? So and twelve then, years, but that's not when he had the issues. Yeah, right, right. Two, twelve years. Like I think he spent about a year building this thing. Yeah, so. and and the way they described it was he built it at night, so when the so no one knew he was building it. Like the question was, how do you miss a guy building a tank? And they're like, he built it at night, no one was around. Right, and like no one saw him. He but lived I mean, like, there. Like, I assumed it was like a, in a building. So like it's in his she shed. Yeah, he made a he made a she shed for right, it. Right, right. So you wouldn't see it anyway. He well, I mean, you probably day. see welding and hear the. Tzz, tzz, yeah, and, and, he works on mufflers and stuff. Like, you know, yeah. why would you suspect? No, he sold that land. I bet this guy's building a tank. You no, know, but, to I mean, the truck company. And so he, by this time, he believes that God is challenging him to oh, do this. Oh, it's now manifest. Yes, yeah, so it's mm. one of those guys. And and he knew, you know, he had the epiphany to do this while he was in his hot tub after getting pissed off at a town council meeting, and and then. Um, he got this bulldozer, and it barely fit through the door of the shed. But it was just like it was so perfect, it was divine. So he knew right then, like if it didn't yeah. fit, he'd have been like, "Oh, he probably would have been like, it's not meant to be, not meant to be." But yeah. it's like 
it was meant to be. So, <laughs> so then, but on the way out, he has to tear it down. Yeah, I was going to say, because right. he just added like three feet of, yeah. in, of steel and concrete to right. each side. So on the way out, he just tears the shed down. But he did say once he got in, he had no yeah. intention of getting out, so right. fuck the shed. Right. <laughs> yep. Uh, on June 4, 2004, Hemeyer took to the streets of Granbury. He started his attack uh, on the streets about 3 p.m., bursting through the wall of his shed. I knew it. Yep. That kept his... his "Quote unquote killdozer secret. Killdozer is what the, the media ended up calling it. Did Yakety Sacks start playing? <laughs> so <laughs> his first target was the, the city concrete. council. City. No, the concrete oh. plant. First he flattened because uh, yeah. they're next door. door. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Next door. So first he flattened the buildings of the concrete plant uh, that, in his mind, started this all. It flattened the buildings. <laughs> He then went on to get revenge uh, on the others that had wronged him. How fast is he going? Does it ever say? It's not fast. He's just right. Yeah, like it's a, it's a tank. I can see somebody like, no, stop. <laughs> He's gonna get me. So, so police were called to the scene and they fired an estimated 200 rounds into the vehicle, but that didn't hurt it. Um, Obviously, the guy who owns the concrete plant got another tractor to try to tumble it. Like they were going to, <laughs> they were going to attack the treads to try yeah. to flip it. Footloose 2.0. And so he <laughs> he goes to do that, and it picks up three wheels of his track because it's so massive yeah. and it's so heavy because it's got this armor on top of it. Yeah. And so they tried that a couple of times, and then the second, to the last time, um, Hemeyer got his 50 cal and shot at the other tractor. Luckily, it hit the. The, the shovel part, yeah, and um, didn't get to go through the, the metal plate of that. But that's when Cody, um, um, the 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 um, concrete plate ma- man, was like, "I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> yep, I'm done. That's it. That I, was I, a Barrett, y'all. I, I'm done. I don't even think I'd have went that far, right? <laughs> like, you know, I'm not gonna go. No, do that. But the, but if he's got a Barrett, which is the, the 50 cal, yeah. you know, mm. giant gun, I'm not testing my nope. Kevin Bacon. No. <laughs> You can dance your way into the hearts of. <laughs> so all I can see though, because you keep it's, it's like Granberry or Granby, yeah, Granberry. Like all I see is Barney Fife. It's it's very right. It's very Mayberryish. It's very Mayberryish. So now I got I got like oh shit, here's a tractor. Let me get my bullet. Like that's how I see the deputy <laughs> in this thing. He's like trying to dig and, out of his pocket. And in the closest terms I can think for us, think Wilmer. Ooh, Whoa. dude, you Ooh. let really you know what you let the tractor have it then, right? Yeah, <laughs> big will, big will. All right, so tractor wins. Yep. So the the police were called onto the scene and fired an estimated 200 rounds into the vehicle, but that didn't hurt it. Dude, that guy was tired at the end of his shift because <laughs> there was only one cop. Right. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> and it's got he's got a load of no, 200 like, bullets. Bam. No, he's he's going bang bang <laughs> bang 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 bang. Yeah. Hold on. <laughs> There's no magazines. No, it's it's, it's a six a shooter. Yeah. It's a bang 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 <laughs> bang bang bang. There was there was one of the one of the one of the deputies was like, I saw it and then I put back my shotgun and got my heavy assault rifle, and went after it. So this 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 town is big enough to have heavy assault rifles. Well, you know they militarized the police back in like. 2001. So yeah. everyone got us. Everyone. Right. They're like, you get an assault rifle. It's Bush's America. You get an assault rifle. You get an assault rifle. <laughs> Fuck, you want a tank? We got three of those. This town didn't big enough for a tank. This is yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, Martin turned his sights on and destroyed the uh, Liberty Savings Bank. Because uh, why not? Mountain Parks Electric, Electric Company. The Maple Street Builders, Gamble's General Store, the Granby, uh, the Granby Town Hall, the Sky High Newspaper Office, and 
copycat graphics in print. But what did they do? <laughs> what did the graphics place do? So copycat, re- the uh, he had a, he had targeted the Gamble's General Store. That was the last thing he hits. But uh, copycat's next door, and so he. To turn around, he oh. ends up hitting copycats. Oh, standards. So right. literally, it got copycatted yeah, it, from gambles. From, exactly, oh. exactly. Uh, he also smashed a number of cars, street lamps, road signs, of course. Because <laughs> I've seen movies, of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> you can't drive a tank down the street without one half of it going up right. over yeah, the absolutely. cars on the side of the road. Absolutely. Yeah. So the attacks were personal. <laughs> you think? <laughs> At the savings and loan, he targeted the corner office where a woman who sat on the zoning board worked. <laughs> oh, man. That's messed up. The town's mayor recently well, died. I, I'm laughing, but I'm hoping like nobody no, no. got Mor- run over. Spoiler Miraculously, no one was injured. Okay, okay, that's so. Fair. Now it's funny, yes, right? Yes. So right. you to laugh all year. You're allowed to laugh. Sure. <laughs> the, the town's mayor recently died, and Marvin destroyed his home where his 82 year old widow lived. Wow! But she made it out. Yeah, she made it. Out. Or was she? She was bingo. napping 30 minutes before. Well, but again, it's like right. He's coming. He's coming. Yeah, but I'm leaving, and, and like like <laughs> destroyed the house, destroyed it. She was a bingo. Maybe she right. was a bingo. Luckily, a group of children had just left the town hall, where where the uh, also held the library, which uh, they where they had their own little story time afternoon. Huh. Um, where they're now telling this story. <laughs> uh, Marvin destroyed many records and, of course, the town archives. Oh, I'm sure he broke some records. <laughs> he stopped the dozer outside a propane company and tried to fire a rifle at the tanks, hoping that would cause an explosion. Oh, that's a great idea. And so, he, movie. Right. so he's got like, like, and not not like little propane tanks, like the no, industrial, yeah. industrial yeah. size tanks. Um, Probably more heavily armored than his tank at that no, point. They would have exploded. He was firing incendiary rounds at it. Oh, okay. And so they would have exploded. However, his gun point for the fifty cal was at his rear, and he had one of those diggers at the rear, and so he couldn't get the gun positioned high enough to shoot past the. the uh, so he was basically shooting the shit out of his tail. The whole time, but couldn't get get enough to. He did shoot. Uh, managed to have a record shot and sh- shoot a transformer, which caused p- power outages. Yeah. that's a good ricochet. Yeah, yeah. He had a plan. He did have a plan. Get a little map. <laughs> One, two. Well, he had at least three. a year a year of yeah, daytime he, to plan. Yeah, he the, planned this. the town used uh, earth movers to try to stop him. So there's big. You know um, stuff that you know they they grate the ground before they yeah. the pave and that didn't stop it and the guy the there's there's video of the guy getting hit and, and they're like why did it stop he goes he's in a dozer <laughs> 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 like I knew this wasn't going to work <laughs> the rampage ended where he took the kill dozer to the general store which was owned by one of the town board members so that was the gambles yeah. Uh, the thing by then the the machine was leaking fluid and had black smooth smoke pouring from it. So attrition, or attrition. Um, what he didn't know and a lot of people didn't know is that Gambles had a basement, and so this what stops it. He's on the outside of Gambles and just just smashing into the wall, and his tread ends up into mm. the side of the. And then the engine the the engine seizes up and uh, the bulldozer stalls. Uh, the police surround it because they're not; ex- they don't know what's going to happen. Right? Yeah, they're expecting because in, in most of these situations, it's, it's going to be a shootout. Yeah. At four thirty p.m., there was a muffled shot heard from the inside. But Marvin Hemeyer took his own life. Mm-hmm. It took hours to make sure the machine was not booby trapped, 
and to get through the armor. Uh, they tried ex- uh, explosives to get it out, which didn't work. And they were like, well, he's definitely dead because the, sh- the shock should have killed him. Yeah. And so they weren't expecting him alive anyway. And they thought he had killed himself, but, you know, they weren't 100% sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they spent the night using uh, torches to actually cut him out. And that's how they – so they didn't get him – this happened at – they started doing that stuff at 5 p.m. They got him – they got into the killdozer at 2 a.m. in the morning. Wow. That's how long – how much – how much long it took. Uh, it, it took hours to make sure the, the – like I said, the machine was, uh, bo- wasn't booby-trapped and had uh, – get through the armor. It, it wasn't until the next morning that Marvin's body was removed. He had shot himself in the um, – he put the gun in his mouth and pointed it upwards. Brain? Uh, yeah, right. Was was the word your brain was looking for brain? Yeah, I was looking for brain. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just uh, checking. Um, Marvin's body was removed inside. They found the three rifles, three handguns, and enough food and water to last a week. Wow. But the- still no shitter. <laughs> <laughs> He's got something against it, man. Um, that dude's a camel. That dude's a camel. <laughs> He's just, I'm going to hold it in. The town's damage totaled $5 million, with $2 million of it belonging to the concrete plant. Wow. Uh, yeah. Sad side note: They were only insured for seven hundred thousand oh. dollars. Oh. So one point two. So million. if they had sold to him or bought for a million, they would have actually made out better. Right. Yeah. <laughs> if uh, they bought his plot for uh, a million. Uh, searching Marvin's home, they found a list of one hundred seven people he thought had wronged him. Oh God. Uh, the the Dochefs, the owners of the concrete plant, were top of the list, but also judges, po- politicians, newspaper editors, and anyone else involved in the case. Spider Man. He was. P- <laughs> He was pissed off the newspaper editor because the the newspaper the guy who ran the newspaper was like, "Yeah, I'll do a story about you, and you can buy some ads." You're a businessman. You've you've seen that happen. It happens all the time. And uh, he could the newspaper guy could never catch up with Hemeyer to do the story because he was always out and about. And the mall shop was never opened. You know, just it was just fun money. And so he was yeah. mad that oh they're giving me a bad name. They won't cover me because because I'm the outsider and this is a good old boys thing. And so, so that's why he was mad at the newspaper. Afterwards, the bulldozer was dismantled, uh, and the scrap was sent to different salvage yards to prevent souvenir hunters. Hmm. Some townsfolks thought it should be kept and put into a museum <laughs> because tourism it belongs <laughs> in a museum. Because we now are down until, five mil. Yeah, until, hold on, until someone like gets the idea to resurrect the town. <laughs> right. um, I think I can fix that. Just take out the firing pin or some whatever. angry mechanic. Yeah, <laughs> I know what's wrong with that thing. The janitor of the museum has been. <laughs> Who's been looked down upon the last forty years of him working there and mopping the floor? He's not a good old boy. <laughs> He's like, I can go get a bag full of diesel. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Round two, fight. It also came to light that the Colorado's governor at the time had looked into either having the National Guard use Apache attack helicopters or a two-man fire team equipped with anti-tank missiles to stop the machine. These measures were dim- dismissed because of the potential uh, for a missile strike in the heart of Granbury, Colorado. Wow. They're like, that could be too much collateral damage. What time of year was that, did you say? Uh, it is uh, June. June, okay. June 4th. So, so the reason I was... as hell in that tank. Well, the, uh, that... Well, no, the re- air conditioned fans. The reason I was asking, and though, video is monitors. you yep. said he was only 50 miles outside the Rocky National Park. Right. Well, if it's winter and they shoot those missiles, you're having angel- avalanches in the right. mountains, mm-hmm. right? Like, that's loud enough. I think... I don't know if 50 miles might be a little far enough away, but... Yeah. That's a danger you would have to think of if it's December. So Marvin Hemeyer sent three audio tapes to his brother in South Dakota before the attacks. And, of course, his brother turns it over to the FBI. 
uh, in the on the audio tapes, he tried to explain the motivation, saying, God built me for this job, that God had planned him not to marry or have a family so he could be in position to carry out the attack. It was his duty. God asked him to do this. It's a cross that he was going to carry, and he was going to carry it in God's name. He was willing to be reasonable until he had to be unreasonable. Sometimes reasonable men must do unreasonable things. So God said, go to Mayberry and mess it up. <laughs> Apparently. Not Colorado City, right. not Denver, not Aspen, not where anybody with any influence is. Yeah. What Granberry. Granberry. Yep. Yep. Granberry. Population two thousand. God says fuck it up. God, <laughs> hey, look, God works in mysterious ways. Man. Yeah, you I'm never know. It. I am not here to say that that's not these are true. Not <laughs> I'm here to say that that's not likely. So that, <laughs> that is the story of Marvin uh, Haymeyer. Uh, uh, the sources for this is the Terran Granberry uh, Granby by Tom Bagzan uh, or Bagazarian. That's his name. Uh, from and I love this one. This is from a magazine called The Concrete Producer. Yes. <laughs> There's a concrete producing magazine from April 12, uh, 14th, 2016. Um, TIS predated zoning f- uh, fight land deal issue uh, took places before town squabbles by Patrick Brower uh, for Sky High News, the news that was yes. crushed yeah. uh, mm-hmm. November 2017. Aren't they on every plane now? Yep. <laughs> The Strange Story of Killdozer and the Man Behind It by John Donna, uh, uh, Donanan for HowItStucks.com, how stu- HowStuffWorks.com, and the story of Marvin Hemeyer, Revenge and His Killdozing by John uh, Karoski, March 2008, for all things that's interesting. And most importantly, there is a fabulous documentary on Netflix called Tread that I wish everyone to watch. <laughs> And Cool's teaming up with a good balanced breakfast. Teaming up with Mr. T cereal. It's getting on the team. The team that knows how cool breakfast can be. You get a crispy corn taste with a touch of brown sugar. Teaming up with Mr. T. It's cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. Golden sweet crispy teas. One bite and you're gonna be eating with the team that's teaming up with Mr. T. It's cool. Teaming up with Mr. T. Um, before I let you go, uh, I want to talk comics with you because you publish comics yep. with Flatline Comics, and you've been doing it now for 12, 12 years. years. 12 years, yeah. We've been making comics for 12 years where we rebranded from um, our customer facing um, logos and, and products from Inverse Press to Flatline Comics about a year ago, and uh, it's been going really well. We've seen quite a bit of growth, and um, you can find any of our comics. They're mostly horror-based. We have some sci-fi and some high fantasy at uh, flatlinecomics.com. Um, we just finished up our biggest Kickstarter ever last week. Comics and boxes are in. We're, we're in the middle of a big fulfillment. So there's a lot going on. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, so talk a little bit about some of, some of the comics. So I know you've got Vicious Circus and our, the Our flagship and... title is uh, Vicious Circus. It's a different twist on the killer clown horror genre in that Instead of eating kids like uh, Pennywise or the killer clowns from outer space, our clowns kill child abusers. Um, you get the same dark humor, the same kind of clown-centric kills and things like that. Uh, but the targets are actually reprehensible human beings <laughs> that you enjoy seeing get their comeuppance. Right. And we've put them in a lot of different scenarios. Um, we just released this year our first Halloween special for 2021. 
and our first Christmas special in 2021. Very different flavors, mm-hmm. but using the same group of characters. Um, Santa Claus is a central character in our Christmas special. A very big protagonist. I don't want Santa Claus axing kids or, you know, as we've seen traditionally in, in Christmas horror movies. Um, that is our flagship. Um, I've also got a steampunk uh, type of post-apocalyptic Western called Last Ride of the Four Horsemen. And launching a new one here in a couple of weeks, two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, launching the next issue of that. And we're a few hundred pages deep in the continuity on that book as well. And the big one we just kickstarted was called The Black Hand. It's written by Erica Heflin, our partner in all of this. And just beat out our biggest Fisher Circus campaign by a little bit, but our, our, our most funded and most backed project ever. It's a high and, fantasy tale. Yeah, it's a horror, um, undead type of story about um, a knight who finds that she has the ability to slay the dead with a touch. But she's not sure which dead are evil and which ones are good. And so it's a, a dilemma, four-issue series, really a lot of fun, beautifully illustrated by Fairy's Mace from Mexico. And uh, a lot of big stuff coming out this year. More Vicious Circus, um, Erica and uh, Amanda Rachel, my partner in Flatline, have a book coming out um, called Satanic Panic. It's a vicious circus story. Mm-hmm. Probably by the end of next month. So lots going on. What? Okay, it's easy to say you get you get into comics for the love of it because that's what you do. It's a it's a you know you know you know I'm inspired by you and I've followed you with us publishing our own books because I'm like well Kevin could do it and he's doing it. it looks like he's having fun <laughs> and so I, was like, I couldn't stop if I wanted to right right mm-hmm. and so but. What are the challenges that you face? You, you, you're 12 years in, so you've got the growing pain stuff out of the way. Yeah. So, what are the challenges you're facing nowadays with with growing your band, brand and the comic? What, 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 what's the difficulties? Gatekeeping, um, in into certain aspects of the of the market, uh, and just the very realistic economic realities of the traditional comic market. So, what I mean by that is. Getting comics into comic stores is a huge investment for almost no return or negative return. It's not something that I, it's not a risk I'm willing to take uh, as a basically two to three person operation to get comics in the stores. You have to go through distributors who take the bulk of your profit and leave you with nothing unless you're printing 10 to 100,000 books. It's not reasonable. Right. And, and, and there are a few stores that will work with us and will buy our books and I've very nice discount for them and 50, 60% discount depending on the store. But if you do that through a distributor, the distributor is taking the bulk of what you would get and then you're negative. Right. Um, and that's all distributors. Um, you know, it's fractured. The comic distribution is fractured in the last couple of years since COVID started. And um, it hasn't helped the smaller publishers at all. And the guys I know that publish on our level that do it are bleeding money. And it's not, I don't, I'm not in it to take those kind of risks. So that's just, we cannot get into comic stores on any large level. Um, there's, you know, the gatekeeping I was referring to is with the distributors. You either can't get a response or they tell you to go to a different publisher. Well, then I'm giving my IP to uh, somebody else that I don't know if they're going to treat me fairly or not. Absolutely. And most of them aren't. And they'll tell you that up front. It's in the contract. They're going to own everything. Um, for X number of years, and then it might revert to you, but you're probably going to fight them for it in the end. And I just, you know, we we work too hard to put our stuff at risk like that. 
And with the advent of crowdfunding um, through Kickstarter, through Patreon, through various other methods, um, we can we can make books and we don't pocket much or any of that money, to be honest, but we're able to break even and publish comics. And, um, you know, that's a lifelong thing I've wanted to do and to be able to do it without breaking the bank and putting ourselves at financial risk has been awesome. And I'll continue to do it. We have seen growth and hopefully that means it will be a profitable no, I, enterprise. I, I, at some point. I, and, and I'm, I'm a small part of, of helping you guys out with yep. doing your videos for your Kickstarter stuff. And so I've, I've done, we counted the last time I've like up to 40, maybe close Probably. to 50 <laughs> videos I've made for. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've been with you almost every month. We're doing something kind of different. It's kind of fun. And so I've, so I've seen, definitely seen the growth since um, over, over the years. And so and I'm, 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 awe-inspired I'm, I'm definitely you are an inspiration to me again because i you know i've only got the two books out and then we're working on others but you know i wouldn't have done it without seeing you do it first and so well, i appreciate it it's it's taken a lot of work and a lot of learning and we are kind of in a, a routine from a, a logistical and financial standpoint in terms of how we manage things and to be honest uh and uh, and i do 95 percent of the work in terms of um, she does, she handles all the shipping, God bless her. Um, and I handle all a lot of the design. Um, I get help from Erica with not just the writing side, she's a brilliant writer, but she does a lot of our lettering. Um, but I, I also do a lot of lettering, file management takes up a lot of my time every day getting well, pages I, together. How do, do you guys do the lettering in my book? So I yeah. understand. <laughs> Pre-press work takes for so uh, much time. Absolutely. I, you know, so it's a, you know, it's a, it's a time consuming enterprise. I retired from my um, state job last year. It's hard to believe I could do that, but I did. Oh, you've and, been doing it since you were like 12. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So to do this full time and uh, you know, our, our output has increased. We've seen better results just because having the time to, to put into it. But from a marketing standpoint, you know, it's hard to get the word out if you don't have a distribution through the comic shops. Right. And um, again, I'm just that, that that's the biggest obstacle is getting into the traditional comics market. And I, I have people that I could work with to do that. But then I'm not just putting myself at financial risk. I'm putting them at financial risk. It's tough. Right. It's, these are difficult decisions. And honestly, I think nine out of 10 people that walk into comic shops want the same old Marvel and DC and don't want to see anything new. Right. And we see that at cons. We see a lot of people that want new stuff at cons, but there are always folks who, if you're not making Deadpool or Harley Quinn right. or Batman, they don't know what, what you're doing. Right. That's and they're true. they're not really interested. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a shrinking minority of con goers because um, we have seen improvement in con sales, but... Um, but it's there. Um, my favorite, and I've told you the story before, but my favorite story from, from a con for, cause when I, when I did the first con with the first book, the steampunk book, um, I had someone pick up the book, look at the art, asked if I was the artist. I said, no. And they said, okay, thank you. Put the book down and walked away. Oh, yeah. And I was like, but, but I wrote it <laughs> without me. The pictures done makes you help. <laughs> Conceived it, wrote the script. Which takes a lot of time. Absolutely. A lot of technical know-how. Absolutely. Made a relationship with an artist. Paid and said I, artist. To do it. And, but you, the only thing that matters is the artist. Right, 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 right. <laughs> which, which, look, artists are important. I'm not saying they're, they're not. They're critical. But I, I, I would like, you know, comics fans, especially any comics fans, understand that 
there, there's more than one person involved. Yeah. And so you might enjoy the story. And, and I think that is shifting. Um, the, the way that we've kind of designed our, our contour for the past couple of years and COVID has something to do with that because so many cons shut down that we do regional shows, not big shows where outside of Florida, Florida has a lot of small publishers outside of Florida. We may be one of one to three small comics publishers in the whole show. Mm -hmm. And so people are looking for new comics. We're your sole option, right? There might be one other one. Sometimes we're at shows with you. Sometimes we're at shows with my buddy Martin Piero from Cosmic Times. And we were in uh, northwest Arkansas, like right at the border of Missouri and Oklahoma out there this past week. And there was one other comic publisher, and they had like one book. And everything else was like, you know, sexy anime prints at their booth. Um, but we had, you know, we've kind of designed our booth to like almost like a bookstore now. right right i saw the and, new pictures they're yeah like, great and, and so when people come up they're like oh actual comics and we have people say that oh you guys make actual comics and um and it feels good you know it's a it's a nice selling point to offer something they can't get anywhere else and that's right. kind of the angle that we're going from and um you know hopefully the the access issues will improve um we have a few stores that buy from us, but we, we take a loss even when we sell the stores now. Right. To give them the discount that they need to keep their doors right, open. Right, right. And I definitely understand the value of comic shops, and I want to, and I will give them a discount that's that's consistent with what they get from the distributors. We just don't have to give our portion to the distributors. Right. Because um, if we did, we'd be deep in the red. Right. So it's, a, it's, it's an evolving situation um, as far as the entire comic market. But there are a lot of guys in our shoes. Right. Uh, not there are not many of them down here in Alabama, Mississippi, Louisiana, uh, even Georgia. But in the Northeast and the West Coast, there are a lot. And Florida's chock full of people making their own comics. It's just a large population. But um, the, that group of people is modifying the market in some ways. And we are all getting to know one another. So I, I do foresee some changes. I don't know what that'll look like. Mm. Maybe one day. One thing I noticed, and I talked about, the, I talked to you about this too um, a while back. But like Kickstarter, I, I I did the Kickstarter. You can look at like how past comics have done. Yep. And so, and the higher end stuff seems to be like I, thought, I made the joke, but it's true. There was a there was a comic that was that had raised forty six thousand dollars off a off of like a twelve hundred dollar yep. goal, but it was basically sexy anime cat lady if you can make rephrase that if you want to take your time and talent to make sexy anime cat comic right you're gonna make a lot of money right and you know i could do that but that's not why i make comics right and you know we did twelve twelve thousand dollars on uh, a forestry series with one set of covers right one collector box and then some add-ons and the you could argue that the new character is attractive, but there's, and I don't have any problem with anybody putting out whatever, whatever they want to I make. I mean, neither. Me neither. But, but, but I, in I'm terms of just what I want to make. Right. Same here. And so I was looking at it like more of a, I mean, I work in marketing, so I'm like, what works? Yeah. And so, you know, I, I do a line that have some, some attract, could have attractive characters yeah. in it. And, and, and so, and so I'm trying to figure out 
almost like it's a moral moral decision of like what what what's compromising to what I enjoy. Because mm-hmm. again, I write comics for a reason. I write comics for me. I got yeah. I have stories in my head. I want to get right, them out. Same. But but they're and they're also not those kind of stories that you would find in a sexy cat anime story. It just right. I don't I know I don't I you know you say you could write a sexy cat anime. I could, but is it good? But then in the day, are they looking for good? I'm not sure what those they're readers are looking for. <laughs> I can't draw the sexy cat anime, lady. <laughs> um, however, but I, I did think about like you know, you know, offering a cheesecake cover, yeah, to to just to see, just like I'm. We're definitely going to do it on the next run for the for the next issue. Uh, I'm going to find an artist who specializes in that, pay them to do a cover for right. me, and see if that helps sales. And and because I mean, I, if I can. Because at the end of the day, if they're going to look at for the art, I'm, I, you know, I'd rather them read the whole issue and enjoy the sure. whole issue. But maybe I'll get a percentage out of that, and then I'll build a fan base that way. Right. And so I'm I'm curious for the experiment to see what my my rate of return is going to be for that. Yeah, I think a, a lot of how far you can go with that depends on how much you can tie the cheesecake factor to your story, and have people care about the story too. Right. Which I think is sort of what you just said. Um, but the the most obvious example is Brian Polito mm-hmm. who of course has paid his dues over and over again. The guy's been in comics since what the late eighties. Absolutely. Probably. The guy just writes back to lady death a few years ago and he's dropping half million dollar Kickstarters once a quarter, just about, um, I mean, they did over 400 grand in six hours. We gotta figure that out. <laughs> it's world-class audience building on an established brand that he's had going since the mid nineties. Right. I mean, you can't duplicate it. I mean, I think um, I still have some Lady Death action figures in the closet. Oh, yeah, man. <laughs> uh, it's, it's it's crazy, and, and more power to him. I'm so happy to see somebody who has had such a rocky road right. legally, you know, with the IP, with his intellectual properties over the years, get back in with one of his intellectual properties, create a few more around it, right, and then just totally own Kickstarter. Absolutely, uh, it, it's really sweet to me to see, um, and I think. You know, Kickstarter tends to be kind of ultra PC um, in some ways. And that doesn't affect, they, they don't censor anything right, like no, that. No. But they wouldn't spotlight those. But recently, because of his success, I think just primarily because of their success with the Lady Death and the Hell Witch and all those titles, well, they're, they're they, gonna, they have started to push well, the titles. Well, they have to because at the end of the day, they need they need the draw to the page. They're making a ton of money. They're making guys. right. They're making a ton of money off these guys. Yeah. Outside of outside of what they're going to take of the percentage, they're making four figures off of me from right. the one we just did. And right. Great. I'm happy to to share that because without Kickstarter, <laughs> comics may I'm not sure how much comics would exist anymore. I I without Kickstarter, I don't think how much tertiary and independent comics work. Yeah. I think I think I think currently the DC Marvel situation they are. In-house, in-house IP drivers for Warner Brothers and Disney, sure. and so uh, honestly, I don't think neither one of Disney or, or or Warner Brothers cares about the comics. Yeah. They're they'll I don't think they make money. I think they lose money, and they're I think they're okay with that because they they'll make money. They make it up in the merchandising and the um, film rights and stuff. So so it's a nicety that they're just gonna allow for so long but warner brothers is not i mean warner brothers has been hard on dc they kicked them out of the offices they've moved them around they, there's not many of them most of them working from home who, yeah. who's there's not a lot yeah it's, it's all shifting and uh, it's yeah. interesting what the future is going to hold i'm hoping that it it breaks just enough for people like us to shine a bit because i think i i think I, I i love your comics i love you as a writer i think you know full discretion you're, you're one of my best friends of course i'm gonna love your writing but <laughs> 
but I'm honest. I'm all right. I, you know, I, you, you've got IP that I can see. Like we all hope to to make the next jump to to you know other uh, media, other media yeah. like you know, like Fish and Surface should be a, a a great Shutter series. Yeah, I mean, just like some. I mean, it's great. It, it just needs the right eye on it. Where and and that's the problem is trying to get the right eye on it. Right, and that's another part of the gatekeeping thing. Mm, absolutely, it's just getting people, and that's a networking issue um, that's hard to solve. Right, it's hard to decipher that. I mean, you know, we've got a guy who produces Stephen King movies that lives in our hometown. Right, and um, we have an indirect connection, but getting appropriate and um, well timed and and. Uh, <laughs> Um, you know, we're trying to get all the the, the to, stars to align to make that happen. Well, and to do it in a way that's uh, social and not just trying to make a cash grab of somebody. Right, you know, right. That, that's what I'm trying to get at. To do it in a way that's classy. Right. To do it in a way with some uh, with some deftness. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, is tough. Mm-hmm. Um. Um. But you know, you never know. We we're we're working hard and and uh, trying to get eyes on on what we do. And it's working. Like you say, you've seen the growth, and I hope it'll continue. There are a lot of challenges, uh, but I try to focus more on the creative side of it and getting the books done than on the challenges. And we try to iterate every year what we do, how we handle the business so that that part grows too. As we make more books, as we generate more IP, that we are adjusting our strategy not only to sell more, but to increase the potential for the IP. Yeah. Well, Kevin, thank you for joining us. Yeah, man. I love talking talking talk decipher. I love talking GI Joe. Definitely love talking comics. <laughs> you are always welcome to on the show. I'm happy to come uh, back. Amanda anytime. and Erica also <laughs> are welcome if they ever want to come talk talk sure. there. You know, all three of you come on. We'll talk inverse press. That'd be great. We'll talk horror stuff. Well, it'd be it'd be, it'd be fun because I got a couch. We got lava mics. We can we can hold everybody. <laughs> oh, they are great at the horror talk. <laughs> so, uh, thank you so much for for uh, indulging me and and coming chat, chatting on my little show. Anytime, man. All right, man. Happy to do it. Kevin Laporte, fellow in commerce. Go read his stuff. It's great. Thanks, everybody. I know my own needs, and what I need from an automobile, I know I get from this new Cordova. I could ask for nothing beyond the quality of Cordova's workmanship, the tastefulness of its appearance. I request nothing beyond the thickly cushioned luxury of seats available even in soft Corinthian leather. Yet it is on the highway where Cordoba best answers my demands. I have much more in this small Chrysler than great comfort at a most pleasant price. I have great confidence, for which there can be no price. In Cordoba, I have what I need. And that was Kevin. Kevin was great. I loved Kevin. Kevin, I hope you guys had I had I had fun. Kevin uh, texted me and said he had fun too. So, um, so that that was good. Um, and we, we got all in for how to go find his uh, comics. Go find his comics. And uh, so uh, speaking of uh, things that you can help us out, to, if you're listening to us on a podcast, feel, please uh, rate and subscribe. If you're not listening to us on a podcast, you can rate and subscribe and find us on any podcast. Where there's podcasts, there I, there we are. There, that's where we live. 
that's where we live. Also, uh, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash uh, Tuesdays with Scotty. And then um, if you want to see our smiling faces, you can watch us on uh, YouTube at youtube.com slash Mobcast Network. I think that's about it. Anything else we need to cover? It's been um, a long show. It's a long yeah, show. I think we got everything. All right, cool. Well, this is Scotty saying this is our contribution to the multiverse. God make yours! <laughs>